Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. So let's do this just one more time in 2023. Let's talk about the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Free practice one and two uh, with our man Sam Hall, who's been looking after things online at Autosport.com. Today, Sam, welcome to the podcast. Hello, uh, good to be here for one last time this season. Absolutely. Uh, But then we'll get into season reviews and top 50 drivers and uh, our work is definitely not done. Uh, So, FP1, why were we looking at names like Felipe Drogovic and uh, Robert Schwartzman and uh, Frederick Vesti, Jack Doohan, Teo Pocher, Patricio Award, uh, Jake Dennis, Isaac Hajar, uh, Zach O'Sullivan, Ollie Berman, names familiar to Autosport uh, listeners and readers who cover different series, junior series as well. Why were those names dominating the timing charts in FP1? Yeah, um, this is because of the regulation that mandates drive teams must run at least a rookie driver and at least one FP1 session of the season in each car. So Red Bull, um, oddly actually, um, you, I don't think we've ever seen this before, they replaced both Verstappen and Perez with Jake Dennis and Isaac Hajar, um, which, like I said, don't think I've seen that one before. It's a hell of a gamble, that one. Um, but arguably in the least representative session of the year, possibly other than Singapore FP1, I guess. Um, doesn't, uh, doesn't Jake do some of their sim work at Red Bull as well? So they've got some pretty good correlation, hopefully, with the, like his driving and things like that. Yeah, that was one of the main reasons that they put him in. And let's face it, if you can get a world champion driver in your car which of course he is um, it's not a bad trade getting one world champion out put another one in um, as he said himself on Sky he's not the normal sort of rookie driver I think he's 28 and he's not a driver that's sort of up and coming looking to get into F1 he's well established um, and a world champion in his own right so yeah it was just simply to tick the box on regulations and teams going we've all left this a bit late again haven't we Ah, right, okay. But uh, nothing else from FP1 that we particularly need to know. Uh, George Russell topped the timesheets, but otherwise, nothing too much to learn? No, not really too much. No, it was very, very difficult to get a read. Um, like I say, it takes place in much hotter conditions than either qualifying or the race will, so tyres are naturally going to degrade quicker. Um, and, yeah, there's, there's just not much you can learn. When you've got so many names that you don't know what to expect from in there... You can't really compare... It's comparing apples and oranges, really, the timesheets in that one. 
all the usual names back in the cars for FP2. Headed by Charles Leclerc, so did 16 laps in his Ferrari with a 124.809. Uh, just four hundredths of a second behind him was Lando Norris's McLaren, looking to bounce back after a terrible weekend in Vegas and a big shunt to recover from. And Max Verstappen in third, just a uh, about a tenth and a half, maybe two tenths back from Norris, and it was a shunt fills FP two. Tell us firstly about those big incidents and your take on those where we saw people in the wall. Yeah, um, the first one was Carlos Sainz, who uh, he carried on his trend of uh, going eight minutes in practice sessions and then uh, spanking the wall or having a bit of damage and causing the red flags to fly. Um, two in a row, well done. Um, but this one, it was he hit. Um, there are a couple of bumps going through, one on the exit of turn two and one on the entry to turn three. Um, and he hit both of those and it just upset the rear of his car possibly a bit of dirty air from one of the Alpines in front as well it sent him spinning into the wall where I don't think I've I think I might have only once seen a car in the wall there it's a very peculiar place to crash um, fortunately he's all okay um, he doesn't think he should be taking a penalty uh, this time around um, because final race of the season they're all on the last bits of the cars um, and he had his practice gearbox in presumably um, the second one uh, just after it got started again drivers starting their first flying laps after that Nico Hulkenberg who was sitting out FP1 for Oli Behrman um, it might have been his first flying lap it was either that or his second one um, and on the exit of turn one again a very weird place he spun the rear wheels up on a bit of astroturf and uh, turned his car around hit the inside barrier with the rear of it and that was his session over as well and Haas again they don't Gunther Steiner was speaking on Sky afterwards they don't anticipate a penalty for it because again practice gearboxes you can get away with it at this point so what you're telling me was there was something wrong with the track which caused a bunch of damage to a Ferrari. Now, this time, is Frederick Vasseur asking for $2 million from the organisers in a private settlement to fix that car? Uh, what's, uh, what's, what's been the fallout of the track throwing science once again a bunch of damage and a big bill? Not that I'm aware of. Um, Our this, listeners know where I'm going with this, yeah, by the, the way. We, we may have exchanged uh, messages during the session on this one because uh, to any reasonable person, apparently, in Vegas, um, there should not the penalty should have stood because you can't make an exception for a track defect um, that causes damage to your car. Um, if, as I said at the time, and I'm so glad that... I'm sorry for Carlos, but I'm so glad this has come up the race after because a problem with the track with these two bumps and if you set a precedent in Las Vegas you can be certain that Ferrari would have been on the phone going a track problem has caused damage it wouldn't have happened without that problem um, but no fortunately like I say a bit of common sense however unfortunate prevailed in Vegas and uh, they set the right precedent for this one I still stand by what I said at Vegas, which was that the drain cover, the valve cover, wasn't his fault to get a 10-place grid penalty was ridiculously unfair. You were the only person on the Sunday Night Podcast that said, but you just can't start to make allowances when the track bites you and, and throws you off. And I thought, oh, I really, really hate it when someone beats me with logic. Um, because you're right. 
of course. You are right. And then just one week later, this happened. We're not happy for, for him, but I imagine, yes, that does. For anyone that didn't agree with you on the podcast last Sunday, I know what you mean. How is this different? It's a track defect. It's not a perfect billiard table smooth surface, and it threw him off, much like the bump which McLaren say threw Norris off. Um, but ultimately, you can also also call that driver error because if you were going slower over that bump or a different line, it didn't throw off anybody else today. So no, and Carlos did admit as well. He he was asked um, could setup changes between sessions because he was out in FP1. He was one of the drivers, the few drivers that actually. Um, was out in FP1 and he he felt the bumps there he knew they were there and he said yeah the change we had made could have affected things he wouldn't say what they were but it was alluded to that they had maybe lowered the ride height a bit um, they'd put extra fuel in all of which just combined and we saw what happened so uh, maybe that's why Ferrari aren't complaining maybe it's because they did do something to the car that they feel affected it well, let's run down FP2 and the rest of the top 10 from 4 to 10. Who else was quick? Bottas, as we say goodbye to the Alfa Romeo name. Sponsorship, isn't it? Uh, in Formula 1 this weekend. Bottas, Perez, Russell, Joe, Hamilton, Gasly, Piastri. That's the rest of the top 10 who was quick in FP2. So, what can we learn from FP2 ahead of qualifying in the Grand Prix? If anything... Um, it's a very good question, and I really don't envy um, Jake, who is writing at the moment as we speak and recording this. Um, he's writing the evaluation of an analysis of what we can learn from that session. Um, 37 minutes, I think it was, of red flag in FP2. So no team's got any proper, meaningful long runs in. Um, couple got qualifying simulations in early. Um, so the short answer is not a lot. And if we want an exciting race on Sunday, that's the best answer that we can hope for because the less data teams have, um, the better. Yes, they'll get, they're going to get some data in, um, in FP3, but again, like FP1, it's not representative. Um, if I had to put my neck on the line with a couple of things, Ferrari again suffered on their little longer runs. Um, they, they suffered with tyre deg. So, again, I would tip them to be very quick in qualifying, but not in the race. Uh, If McLaren, if Norris and Piastro's pace is true, they could be a contender for top 10, which, well, I'd say a podium in Norris's case. Um, But, yeah, Red Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, those three teams at the top, that seems to be how it's going. Now, I'm always a fan of grumpy Formula One drivers, whether it's some great radio from Fernando Alonso or Verstappen getting grumpy on the radio uh, because, you know, it's heat at the moment, it's adrenaline, and that doesn't really mean it. Um, But it's just fun to listen to. But Verstappen got grumpy today with his fellow Formula One drivers for getting in his way and being slower than him. Well, I mean, if that's not the most 2023 headline we've ever written... Of course, everyone's slower than Max Verstappen are in his way. But why was he particularly grumpy today about other drivers who he had said were, were slow and in my way? Oh, the, you see, the big thing here is where it was on the track, or not on the tracks it is, um, where they were getting in his way. And this was on the pit exit. Um, there were... He came out of the pits after, I believe it was the second red flag, um, and he went around the outside of one Mercedes, of George Russell, 
attempted to make a pass on Lewis Hamilton, um, which he failed to make the first time, successfully made it through the tunnel on the pit exit, which, um, bear in mind how many problems we expected the first time we went to Abu Dhabi with getting one car through that tunnel. Um, to go side by side was quite impressive. Um, and then he... Basically, he he was going over the white line the whole time. He overtook an Alpine for, again on pit exit. Um, it was all a bit silly, really, because after his warm-up lap, he was behind two of the cars again because um, he had tried to make a gap and was going too slowly. So they went, well, I'm coming past you. Um, it, it's just Max, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think you should be allowed to overtake like that in the pit lane, especially when it's so narrow. And where he was going over white lines. Fair enough, it's not the white line where it rejoins the track that he went over. And I believe that's the one where you will get penalised if you cross it. But Was that Austin where he did it? Where was it where he went? And the speed differential was partly because I don't agree with this whole um, stacking up the pack behind you either because you're trying to make a gap in front of you, because you're trying to manage your tyre pressures, because of these new rules that have come in. Um, but for various reasons, we've seen this farcical situation of just people stopping at the end of the pit lane and, and not getting in trouble for it. Um, and, and we saw him, was it, was it Austin? He had enough of it and was just went blatting down the outside. Um, I kind of, I'm, I'm lost in terms of where he did it the last time. Um, but yeah, when he did it this, when he did it today, it was, I think, significantly more dangerous because... As you say, it's in a tunnel. He was very close to those cars. And the other side of him was was the wall. And he almost did damage himself. And it does look dangerous when he's, you know, he's finding bits of the track to overtake where he really shouldn't be. Oh, the thing for me was, before he actually pulled off the first overtake, there was a photographer that was knelt down getting, as, as you see at every track, photographer knelt down getting pictures of the cars coming out of the pit lane. And they had to take a step back because they saw Max turning towards them and went, where's this car going? Um, and it's a safety issue. I, you can't overtake that. Well, evidently you can, but you, you shouldn't overtake there. It, it's etiquette. It's a, practice, it's a practice session. If it was in the race or even in qualifying, I think, so when it's time sensitive and someone is deliberately holding you up I can see why you would do it if it's in a practice session and you're going to slow down at the end of that lap anyway so that you can get your tyres correct for what you need just have the patience Um, but at the end of the day Max is a multiple world champion and we're sitting here talking so uh, I guess he knows what he's doing with that it's brilliant Max will Max and that is what we love um, about him and actually following social media over the last week interesting how many people were totally on board with him speaking out about Las Vegas and then ironically singing Elvis on the radio and saying it's a brilliant event because I've won it and we should come back but but leading up to it just saying like oh this razzmatazz is not why I'm in Formula 1 um, and speaking up as a multiple world champion as he is absolutely allowed to do um, I wonder whether he got spoken to um, between that and when he finished the Grand Prix as the winner. And was saying, this is brilliant. Vegas have done amazing. Everyone's wonderful. This whole thing is perfect. Um, I wonder whether someone just reminded him about the bigger things at play. Um, you know, there's there's just so many things involved in Formula One. It's like people criticise Toto Wolff for defending that event. Admittedly, pretty 
robustly and was using some stern language, wasn't he? Um, but as, the last time I checked, that, that that huge new complex that F1 has built, I think Mercedes are part of it. I think they're either using it as part of their US headquarters or using it for car handover or something like he they're like Merca fully in bed with Vegas and F1 so you know all these teams have so many fingers in pies that I wasn't surprised that afterwards Max kind of t- changed his tune but I think he won some I think he won some fans and I think he does win certain fans for doing this kind of stuff which is just going around the outside of the Mercedes in the pit lane and being like they're in my way they're stupid they're slow um and I think that, like, a lot of people are fully on board. I'm fully on board with that, Max, by the way. I mean, there's no fans in that. There was a photographer who, who stepped back. There's no fans in that part of the area. If ultimately he bumps tyres with someone and gets in trouble with the stewards, then that's all great drama. It's what we're here for. But there we go. Um, apart from that, any other big stories on autosport.com that we've been reporting over the last day or two that you think are worth talking about? I know, once again, as we head into 2024, we're talking um, about sprint race formats, about tyre blankets, um, and uh, various things. Anything else caught your eye that you think is worth a final mention? Um, well, the first thing is just you mentioned uh, there about Toto Wolff and his use of language. Um, he, both him and Fred Vasseur, the Ferrari team principal, have both been given official warnings um, for swearing, um, which Toto has taken on the chin. He said it's good that F- the FIA is setting an example that they're clamping down on this uh, because they are role models and actually if you think about it Formula 1 is a family sport so yes you get sort of all the swearing on Drive to Survive but should this be being addressed um, the other thing is the F1 Commission has um, released a statement today following a meeting um, tire blanket. the tyre blanket ban is a Abandoned. They are no longer going to go without tyre blankets. Um, and the sprint format, which I know you are the biggest fan of in the world. Uh, how dare um, you? How dare you? <laughs> the sprint format is uh, it's going to be shaken up, but they don't know how. Um, so so they, they're going to have to meet and they're going to have to work on, um, work on a plan. But at the moment... It appears that sprint qualifying um, could take place on Friday afternoons with qualifying for the main Grand Prix taking place on the Saturday morning. So moving that to a not familiar but more familiar time time slot in the weekend. The sprint would then follow in the Saturday afternoon. So you've got qualifying, qualifying, race, race, which is there anything wrong with that? I think that's perfect uh, because on Friday, I don't know if Formula One realises this, but on a Friday, people who don't work in Formula One actually have a thing called a job where they can't (laughs) stop what they're doing. Uh, And, uh, you know, imagine if you're working in, uh, I don't know, in a shop or something. Can I, you know, get to the front of the till? I'm not working for the next uh, 60 minutes. I'm afraid I'm watching Formula One. Like it doesn't, life doesn't work like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I like, I like a Formula One weekend. I like a full weekend. I like the build-up on a Friday because also we work in Formula One, so this is our job to do it. So it's not a hardship, but uh, you know, for a lot of people, yes, like stop putting important things on Friday. People have jobs. Uh, we'll wait and see where that goes. Thank you very much for joining us. You will definitely be part of our podcast over the next few weeks and months as we uh, review and then preview. But Sam, thank you for everything this year so far. No problem. That's our podcast for today. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next one.
Social Podcast Network.